Hello mischief makers, troublemakers, rabble risers, and of course little Delphi. It's the No Holds Bar Witchcraft Podcast. And today we are talking about stuff like the film I just watched. I was all prepared, Chris, because I had my COVID jab, right? On Friday, and I thought I might end up getting sick. I took some magical precautions, right? But then I also made a bunch of meals to put in the fridge, like did meal prep, and I got a bunch of films, uh, sorry, a bunch of meals in the fridge and a bunch of films on Netflix and that that I bookmarked, ready to watch in case I was ill and the like. As it turns out, I feel better now after I've had it than I did before (laughs) I even was planning on having it, so I don't know how that works, but who knows. but anyway, so what books are you reading, Chris? I, well, not I reading. bought a load of new books the other day, uh, including several translations of the Epic of Gilgamesh. Oh, was that for the Mesopotamian problem? Yes. But we'll, I see. But we can talk about that at another time. We can't talk about that on the on the on the uh, official podcast, can we? <laughs> no, definitely not. We might have to do one of them Patreon-only podcasts all about yeah. that at some point. Yeah, we'll talk about the Mesopotamian problem. Is it much like the Norse problem? I imagine it'll be a lot worse than that. I was thinking that. So yeah, so I've got a couple of those, and i got some other books, because obviously I've got to do some extra training for the cult. So, you know. I mean the place. Oh right, okay. I mean the place I work. That is a cult. Yeah. You work at a cult. I mean, they all know you work at a cult officially. So anyway, I mean, it's got a charitable status on it, so it must be a cult. Got to be a cult, definitely. Right. <laughs> so I watched this film. I've been wanting to watch it for a while. You know that I want to watch it because I asked you about where can I watch it. And you said yeah. it's not out yet, Liam. Yeah. It's come out. I found it on Amazon. It's called Bad Witch. Now, unfortunately, because Amazon are c***s, I was prepared to buy the film. I was prepared to buy the film, but they would not let me buy it. Because I went in the right country. Because I'm not from the United States. Right? So I got a VPN. To make it look like I am in New York. And that's fine. That let me process. That let me buy it. I clicked the buy button. I put my credit card details in and the like. And then they said sorry. That is not an American bank. We're only allowed to accept payments from American banks. I was like what's going on here. Well as it turns out. Said film I wanted to watch. Is not out. In a Europe and the like yet. So I was very disappointed. So instead of buying it. And paying my free 99 dollars. To watch it. Rent it. I just decided to download it. Illegally instead. So I've done that. So I could watch it. So you people that are listening. Whoever makes these decisions. You could have had a bit of money. You could have had some coin there, but because you were being unreasonable, I've gone behind your backs. And not only have I watched it, I also have a copy of it now, so I can watch it again whenever I want. I mean, if I was going to rent it for the $3.99, I would have watched it probably maybe twice, 
and then I might have had to buy it in the future, but now I've got a copy of it, so screw you. <laughs> Why didn't they have to be so unreasonable, Chris? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't see why in this and day you and age... know what else? You can't just release it everywhere. I'm going to send a copy. I'm going to send a copy to Chris, so we haven't got to buy it either. So that's two amounts of monies <laughs> that you could have had, but now you're not going to have. So I hope you're happy with yourselves. That took me a good 20 minutes to find a workaround <laughs> for that. <laughs> Wasting my time. So how was it, Liam? I really liked it. It's very low budget. Was it worth all the effort? It is very low budget. I did write a little bit in, I think it was the Witchcraft Live Facebook group. about and put the trailer on. Um, But I thought it was really funny. I mean, it's about this guy, round about our sort of age. And he uh, grew up uh, learning the black magic and the like. And he's a bit of a troublemaker. And he don't put his magic to good use. Instead, he tends to opt for making a trouble on that. It's just a normal guy going about everyday life. But when a situation comes up where normal people would have to just put up with the situation, he just uses a magic. Which has got me thinking. It reminds me a lot of my childhood, Chris. It reminds me of how I used to be like. Now I'm more of an upstanding member of the community. Are you? Well, I seem to think I am. So, therefore, I am. Well, okay. Is that how it works, is it? I swear that's how it works, isn't it? (laughs) You are what you eat. You've you've conditioned yourself. (laughs) You've conditioned yourself. (laughs) You've conditioned yourself to believe that you are an upstanding citizen. Well, I am a mentor. I do things for the local community. I do charitable work. I suppose. You know? Okay. okay. I don't pay enough taxes I'll believe like all the bit. other upstanding members of the community. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Do you want to confess? So you've already confessed theft. Now, um, now tax avoidance. What else do you want to confess today, Liam? Hey... Stop with all this confession. I ain't a Catholic. I can't be doing too much of this. <laughs> Bless me, anyway, Chris, gets the for point. I have sinned. <laughs> You'll need a bit more than a few Hail Marys, you, <laughs> to clear your conscience. That's all right. I'm perfectly happy to accept corporal punishment. <laughs> <laughs> And if I might I'll put in a request, can I use the nine-tailed whip this time? <laughs> the other one didn't quite cut it. I think it came from Anne Summers. Okay. Well, that's covered debauchery. What else do Never you want to Never buy confess? a whip from Anne Summers. Never buy a whip from Anne Summers. Some of the ones that love honey are pretty crap. There is a lovely place in Bristol behind the Colston Hall that sell whips that are made of stainless steel. If anyone wants to visit Bristol, (laughs) I'll take you there. It's brilliant. I forget what the name of the shop is, but they got all like the proper stuff, you know? It's not like this flim-flammy crap made of plastic. It's all made from metal. Anyway, stop sidetracking because I was supposed to be telling them all about this film I've been and watched. 
called Bad Witch. It came out in the year 2021, which is currently the year we're in. It's a lot better than last year. Last year was 2020. And well, just say the words 2020 and watch the person's face. It's bad memories for most people, I think. But anyway, Bad Witch follows... uh, I suppose not really the life because you get a little bit of a glimpse about the guy's childhood but when he's a little bit older he decides I'm a little bit of a bad witch I do a lot of bad things I'm gonna try and give it up ends up not doing that he ends up training the local nerd who's getting picked on by a bunch of bullies to systematically target each one both sometimes on purpose and then other times accidentally through fucking spells up um, and using the black magics and the like on them. And there's a lot of things that kind of ran true for me in the film. Um, partly because I kind of... The sort of things that were done. There was, a, you know, facial disfigurements. Um, boils and the like. Memory loss spells that went wrong. All that sort of thing. I think a, a lot of witches end up doing those sorts of things when they want to mess about. Um, there's also a certain amount yeah. of witch prosecutions. And it does have you asking yourself, really, who's the goodies and who's the baddies here? Because the bad witch did some nasty stuff and then the bad witch ended up getting beaten up and uh, they carved with a knife witch into their stomach and that. And I I felt a bit sad for the main character having done that. But then he cured it with a magic. And the person that obviously he inflicted with some nasty diseases and the like didn't really get cured. So the bad witch is kind of a bad witch. But it does remind me also from my younger days, Chris. Because much like when we talked on the Dark, Dark Frontier podcast episode, which we still got to do a second one. It does get me thinking about great power comes with great responsibility. Although I've often thought it's, a, it's an optional extra, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get, get the great power, but much like the little shaver attachments you get for your electric shaver, you choose whether you're going to use them or not. Most of the time, the responsibility part just stays in the box and then eventually it gets thrown out. Okay. You know? Or lost behind behind the cupboard. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Um, and then you find a bunch of them. You find ones from previous uh, incarnations of your shaver as well. That don't fit. <laughs> and none of them fit. Yeah. None of these consciences yeah. fit. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even give them away. Because who wants a conscience? Let's be fair. Um, so anyway, I've kind of forgotten what I was saying now. But yeah, it, it got me thinking about, obviously... It all culminates in the end with a magical spell kind of going wrong. One going right, one going wrong. And then a bunch of people coming together to try and kill the witch. And you kind of do think, okay, so how far does it go? When it comes to equal punishment, you know, justice and all that. How far does it go for against magical practitioners? Because I've done some terrible things. I think everyone knows I've done some pretty bad things. And um, I've decided not to fix them. But morality is such that some people would say, Liam, you are a bad witch. You should be burnt at the stake for the things that you've done. Other people would say, 
they've got had it coming to them other people would say I'm sorry who are you and then still more other people would say you know that I don't really know this is out of my this is a way above my pay grade so when it comes to the ethics of what it is we do and that I was kind of watching this this kind of really is a bit of a crappy film you know it's not got a huge amount of storyline but I was filling in the blanks in my mind, you know, kind of like you do with films like that. Okay. And it did got... It was making you making you consider some bigger it options. It made me consider things. So what I've got out of that, having considered those things, because as a usual, yeah. like what I tend to do is critique other people's magic that they use, is... um. Better not have been mine. No, you're not in the film, Chris. Um, oh, okay. After watching the film... And after getting a couple of chuckles out of the film at different scenes that I won't spoil for you, it got me thinking about ethics and morality and the like. So what I thought I should probably do is to do a black magic course, Chris, for to put on for paid download and also to go on the Patreon. <laughs> Just because okay. I think that the worst things of that film that came out was when the things go wrong. If you purposely go yeah. out to do something bad, you reap the repercussions of those things going, you know, that bad thing that you're doing. And there's always a knock-on effect. It's not so much an angel on the clouds that's going to come and screw you over if you did a naughty thing. We're talking about... Although that can happen. We're talking about cause and effect. Yeah, cause and effect. We're talking about cause and effect. I mean, don't effect. get me wrong. There are angels on clouds that will come and screw you over if you do something they don't like. But they can be dealt with, okay? So don't worry, you can deal with those such entities and the like. But what I am more concerned about is the trying to do something and then ballsing it up, basically. Because that's from the film where most of the trauma, I think, came from, you know. And I've seen this happen quite a lot with people that say, I really want to screw this person over because they're an asshole, but I'm too scared to use the black magic, so I'm going to go for a half-assed, goody-goody approach, and it never works out quite well. And I think part of that is due to people not understanding magic, because if they really did understand magic, they'd be able to make... I think what our really good witches tend to do is the kind of poetic justice. Yeah. Um, or as I thought, if I did something dedicated to basic black magic, all the bad stuff that no one talks about or tells you, and then, uh, you know, go through the situations. Like I've got this one, there was this one scene where he takes, uh, basically, okay, he's screwing this girl right and she's got a boyfriend and she invites him to her birthday party and her boyfriend's there and her boyfriend knows the basically something's up and starts a fight with him so the bad witch pulls off i think it's a button from the guy's shirt and takes it away and starts burning it and the like and then loads of bad stuff happens i thought okay that's interesting that's a black magic but a lot of people wouldn't think about doing that with a button. Also, people wouldn't think about the process of how it works and stuff. So I figured, I think what we need is a nice little course. Because I do the introduction to how spellcasting works and that. But I think a nice juicy one would be all of the bad stuff, all the naughty stuff. Because there's a lots of stuff that you can find that we put out there and that others put out there that's healing based and all that. 
but I think that when it comes to learning magical practice is a lot easier to learn the ba bad things because you don't worry about the target getting screwed up do you because they're baddie yeah yeah it's quite yeah i get what you mean it's it's easier to throw harm at somebody if you dislike them or have you know you're less less worried about how far it goes whereas when you're trying to heal somebody your const the whole process is concerned about making them better and not doing any harm whereas kind of like the odd side effect to some black magic is not going to actually bother you all that much because you wanted to fuck them up anyway yeah i have noticed as well i don't know if you've noticed this in the witchcraft life group particularly that we run on facebook there's a lot of people posting pictures of others and asking about black magic and all that kind of thing recently so i figure when there are a lot of people ask about the same thing that's when it's time to start producing content about it and yeah i could do a bunch definitely. of individual witchcraft live videos but at the same time we're supposed to be putting some slightly cooler stuff on the patreon aren't we and then i know we wanted these yeah. these video courses as well because everyone online is selling video courses right listeners so we thought well we've got to do that we got to sell the video courses on stuff. So I know i got the evocation one coming out. I figured the next logical one would be a black magic one. And then I'm sure yeah. there'll be other ones that people will suggest. But it does... I have noticed that there's a lot of interest. A lot of people that are trying to do it. And a lot of the people that are asking simple questions, Chris, seem to be people that have already got experience in magic. And that surprises me. Yeah. Because they don't seem to be able to equate, okay, well, I'm going to do something bad, and normally I'm used to doing this love magic and this healing magic stuff. And I kind of think, well, the principles are kind of the same, or if, or kind of reversed yeah. almost, I suppose, if you depend on which yeah, way you look. You just at want it. a strong, you want a strong enough connection in order to yeah. do it. I think that's what some people struggle with, isn't mm. it? Is obviously it's easy to make a connection or a link to someone you want to affect in a positive way because the thoughts of them are quite easy to come and conjure in your mind's, mind's eye in order to actually start the process whereas I think when you really dislike someone you've already tried to blur them out of your mind but by that point so I suppose actually turning that into a, into a, a focus point is difficult so, but most people get around that with actual physical objects, like you say, a button from his shirt. Um, and that's possibly the best way to get over that. Then you don't have to fixate um, on the person's face or, um, you know, in order to get that connection done properly. Um, you know, I'd still probably go to dream walking and just, you know, pinch a bit of his soul out. But that's just me. Yeah, but you're a super witch, Chris. We gotta start off with the beginners. We gotta start off with tangible physical objects that start, that have a link to the person, the target. We'll just call them the target. Um, and then after you've mastered that, you can go into slightly more complicated things. So one of the things I want to stick in the magic course is something that comes up that quite a lot actually with mundane clients. So people that just come for one specific job, and I normally teach them a little bit of magic so they can go off and do their little project. Oh. The bitch be gone spell 
That's a good favourite one. Which Begone Spell's a good one. So what I thought is, given the button thing in the film he melts, I thought, well, it got me thinking about what a lot of magic I've helped people do. And if I'm honest, it's normally women. Is wedding wedding ring magic. Okay. Because you've already got a link between one ring and the other. So if you think about literally under the eyes of a god much of the time, even if it is just <laughs> Yahweh, but under the eyes of God, you've sworn <laughs> that these rings are a symbol of your link essentially to each other. And yeah. much like walkie-talkies, the link can go either way. So a lot of people will think, oh, if I steal his wedding ring, I can do some magic on it. No, 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 that's not how it works. You do the magic on your ring that you want to emanate out of his ring, right? Yeah. So if you think about how you might do that, I've definitely done ones where the ex-husband or whoever has given the ring back or has got rid of the ring or whatever, and you end up using their actual ring because it's still linked to them. But then I've also done ones where I've taken a wife's ring where she's taken the wedding ring off and then we've burned it on a flame, on a candle, or a bath. We just heated it up and built that connection. And building the connection through flame and heat and that kind of thing for having that emanate into the person's body. Because, of course, at the same time he's wearing the ring, you know? Or he's got the ring. Yeah. You know, it still belongs to him. It's still connected to him. So having the ring as almost like one of those Stargate um, eyes... Yeah. Portal things. You can drop also, things through the ring that you might want to go out through the other side. That sort of stuff is brilliant. Yeah, ring magic's one of those things that's underestimated. Everyone goes for all this not magic, right? Um and hey, not magic rude. has got a huge amount of history. But I think wedding rings have been around for a while and rings in general have been around for a while. But you don't really I think see a lot of information put out about magic that revolves around ring if you do it's all about you know those padlock type spells or bind us together or all that sort of shit so i'm thinking there's yeah. a nice baneful magic using rings nice baneful magic that's why i don't wear yeah, any you don't wear any there's probably a good reason for that nice baneful magic using um people's uh biologicals that you collect a little bit of information about how you can steal people's biologicals as well that's got to go in the course using uh, people's names and pictures that's got to go in there and then we should probably talk about some of this slightly more advanced magic which you're talking about pulling a chunk out of someone's soul and the like and sticking it in something or literally just going a dream walking in and tinkering about in that so um do you want to whet people's appetite when it comes to that sort of thing give them a little thing to mull over when it comes to that um yeah i suppose i can like i say i quite like ring magic mainly because people uh forget how much like crystals metals hold a certain frequency and when you when you tinker with that, they're able to really hold some serious memory juice, shall we say? Um, and it's why psychometry works so well with them, is because they're really good at holding that energy. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of my normal methods, yeah, they'd be kind of I love 
I love a good dream walk, um, which is, you know, kind of works in the same way that hedge, uh, hedge riding works, uh, which is kind of riding the veil between kind of the astral and the dream world. So it kind of has that kind of, it's only on the skirt, the edge of, of the dream world um, and only is starting to touch into the astral. Um, it's a nice safe place is is the, I think is the the best way about it is because you're not starting to show up on people's radars on the astral world at that point if you're good at it um you know the only witch's cloaks that I wear you won't find made of velour um so you kind of like you know you've got this kind of way of sneaking across there and uh, popping into someone else's subconscious uh, and just tinkering around or or pulling pieces out you know, just kind of like when you pull hair out of somebody's head in order to use it. You've got that little bit of DNA on the end. You know, you don't need to take much. Uh, we're not talking Horcrooks kind of ripping a soul in, uh, into several pieces. I'm literally saying, you know, dip your finger in to taste a bit. That's all I'm saying. Um, you know, when you, you check that curry or that or that soup is just right before you serve it up. That kind of, you know, just little taste. Um, that's essentially what I'm talking about, of bringing it back, because then that flavour is on your palette, ready for you to then use directly into the spellcasting work. But yeah, it's the best way to describe it, I think, is a bit more like anyone that is familiar with hedge riding. It's a, it's a liminal space between worlds um, and between conscious states um, and different kinds of unconscious state. Does, did that make sense? Yeah, it's interesting you mention Horcruxes because that comes from Harry Potter, doesn't it? So the idea of the Horcruxes yeah. in Harry Potter is that what you do is you do a a spell that involves taking someone's life, which then shatters your soul yeah. into fragments, and you can take a fragment and stick it in an object, so that if you get physically killed, your soul soul still remains in the physical world. Now in Harry Potter. Do you think that that is black magic just because in order to get it to work you have to kill someone and that's bad? Or do you think it's black magic because, oh, you're going against the natural order and you shouldn't be staying alive after your body's dead? So I think it's I think it's both. There's a there's a there's the morality part of it where it's wrong to take someone's life. And I think that's the bit that J.K. Rowling plays on. So if you listen to the things that Slughorn says, it's a case of, uh, you know, he says, oh, could you suggest, you know, break it into several pieces? And you kind of like, and he goes, he, he refers to it as doing something unspeakable. Killing someone is unspeakable, which kind of suggests that there is a, you know, that is the horrific point. That, that forces, that morality forces your soul to be torn into pieces. So it's an actual action that's being done. And I just, whereas actually, you know, whereas when you come to describing how, oh, I probably shouldn't do that, the, the extra Horcrux that wasn't yeah. planned um, in it, that allows... Uh, that is a, an accidental magic. So that then starts to feel like, oh, okay, it's saying this is black magic. Um, and it rebounded and therefore um, 
you know, the, the cause of that was an extra because, you know, that still had the intention of killing. But it wasn't the intention of, of actually creating a Horcrux. So I, I don't know. I think she focuses far too much on the morality of it. But I'm sure she's like a pastor's daughter or something like that. A bit like Lady Poison. <laughs> right. We're pretty much almost out of time for the regular edition of the podcast. So when it goes into the, the Patreon only bit, I think we should take apart this Horcrux making business. Compare yeah, and contrast how it works and then talk about things that you could do in the real world with real life magic that would be the same thing. Maybe make your own real life Horcruxes. We'll explain the secrets of that on the Patreon. I also want to talk to yeah. you, Chris. I don't know whether it's just a chat or a warning or what about the monster I may have created. So we are talking a little bit about black magic okay. and I'm wondering whether I've created a monster accidentally because i've been told are we talking by other people are we talking about an egregore that you think or are we talking about a person we're talking about little delphi is <laughs> <laughs> potentially the monster i have created but there we go okay um but yeah so okay Anyone who wants to join the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon, not only do you get extended editions of this podcast, but you also get the chance to talk to us on a regular basis so that we can help you with your magical journey and your magical work. All that for less than a fiver a month. Oh my gosh, Chris, that's value for yeah. money, is it not? This is why we need to do more of these courses, yeah. because we give too much away for free. All right, so we'll say goodbye to the regular listeners. <laughs> goodbye, regular listeners. And hello, patrons. And of course, hello, little Delphi, because we're about to be talking all about you. So today, little Delphi... <laughs> Is Sunday, and if you remember what happened Sunday, we had a several text message conversations. And um, one of the conversations, I think, contained a joke whereby you said something along the lines of, Chris would uh, blame me, Liam, for creating you and turning you into a monster from being a very happy-go-lucky, um, love and light, you know, do the love magic, help people out in the healings and that, to this person that seems to want to be a hexing and a cursing everyone in the vicinity currently. So I know, little Delphi, that you're doing a lot of naughty magic lately, and I know that you're not concerned about that, and I know that partly about you feel maybe that if this was a couple of years ago... You wouldn't have imagined yourself necessarily doing this. So for this, I thought I'd talk to you, Chris. Because I think okay. that it's time to discuss with some of our patrons. Because I think a lot of people are going through this. It's funny how things go through cycles and the like. Is that they're starting to... It's almost like it's planned. It's almost like it's planned. I mean, we don't plan such things, do we? We don't get that involved with other people's magical journeys and the like. It's not like we lasso a bunch of them together so they're easier to control. And they go through their hashtag no. changes at the same time, is it, Chris? Not at all. No, we wouldn't not do such all. things. No, never. You'd have to be a super witch to do that. Interfere with people's destinies Definitely. and the like, so that they all blossom together Definitely. like a garden. So anyway, I'm thinking at some point, 
a lot of people tend to go through a kind of transition of I'm going to tinker with a magic and I'm going to have some results and then they get some results and they want to stay with things that they're comfortable with from an ethical perspective. But then all of a sudden something happens and then they care a little bit less, you know. Some people would say that they care less for human life or human existence. They'll look at people, the sort of people that I don't know was rude to them in a shop and, and curse them, for example, and not care much about it. They'll turn from being an uberly good witch to a naughty bad witch. And I kind of want to talk about that process because it's linked to that film I watched, Bad Witch Film. Which you all should all watch, by the way. I mean, it's not that great, but, you know. If you've got nothing better to do, I'd definitely give it a go. Um, and I wa- At the very least, it might make you do some shadow work and actually consider your conscience. Um, <laughs> and as most of work. you on here are in that... <laughs> <laughs> While most of you are on this and working with us on a regular basis, that might be good for you, that you actually consider where you were before and where we've got you to. Yeah, so... The thing about being human and human psychology, because they say absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think that most yeah. most of the time witches that are out there either don't really do a lot of magic, don't have a lot of experience with magic. They're basically shit is what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of magical practitioners out there, the insta-witches and the like. And they ain't that great at magic. They might do the odd spell every now and then. And it generally manifests kind of mediocrely. Now, we're not talking about those people. We're talking about people that are really starting to come into their power, into their abilities and that. And they can create change. Sometimes super easily by accident. But other times they know that they can go above and beyond to affect a change that the average person just can't do. And that power and that ability has to be dealt with by the person and their personality and their mind and their conscience and all that. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's corruption. I think it's a horrible word. Um, But I do get what you mean is the fact that actually in order to action and create change in the way that we're talking about it requires a conscious it's a consciousness shift in order for you to understand how and 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 why things happen the way that they happen and i think by actually expressing those and starting to figure out actually you start to realize how little the construct that is humanity our kind of collective um collective moral morality and our collective sense of what the worth of human life is starts to shift and I think that's that's what change is is you start to suddenly realize okay well we're just you know a bunch of ants on one rock out of billions of rocks and then start to go what's so special about humanity and I think it's those sorts of questions there that start to make you think okay well actually what does one life affect at which point is where we will say we have no issue affecting someone for one lifetime. You know, we start to draw the line at affecting people for multiple lifetimes out of a case of going, well, actually, what's one life? It's when you start to actually really think, because 
a lot of the times, I mean, I, I've had this debate with certain religious people, particularly ones in the family, and they say, well, ethics and morality, that all comes from the Jesus, you see, and the Jesus says what's right and what's wrong, and you do what the Jesus wants and you'll be on the right, and you don't do what the Jesus wants and you'll be on the bad. When obviously there is a certain repulsions and there are certain things innately in your in your core as an individual, your conscience and the like, sticking people in a concentration camps and exterminating them, I don't think that's a good idea, even if they're all Wiccans, you know. I still don't yeah. wouldn't sign up for that because I don't think that's a good idea. Um, but at the Doesn't same mean I don't time, consider it. at the same time, where do you draw that? those ethics those boundaries and morality and that from is it because a lot of the time when i see magic or practitioners come into terms with how to take an approach with magic and that it comes down to cookie cutter morality cookie cutter ethics oh i can't do that that's bad killing the person would be bad and eventually so they'll come across someone that's so horrific that they actually tend to think no, this person does need to die for the safety of others sort of thing. And there's no other way around it. I think this person needs to die sort of thing. And you kind of think, well, actually, why don't you just stick him in a coma? No, they need to die. And within magic, particularly of the black magic variety and the white magic variety and all these different varieties, which we don't really necessarily subscribe to other than for good marketing, because it's very good to sell courses yeah. like when you call something black magic. Um ultimately it's one of these things where you really have to ask why do I feel this way and where is that coming from so there's a real difference that I find with the journey of answering that question with what am I trying to do by doing this piece of magic am I trying to stop this thing or am I trying to punish this person? And I tend to find, with the sorts of things that gets people quite passionate, there's always a little bit of both in there. Because I find a lot of the time, when I've worked with people, and tried to guide people, and help them with their... Uh, you know, moral dilemmas. And yes, people do come to me for moral and ethical dilemmas. You know, I know some people think that I have no morality or ethics, but actually, okay, I might not. But that doesn't mean that I'm not very good for uh, throwing opinions around and seeing the cause and effect of a situation. Um, And it does kind of strike me with, okay, how do you navigate that? So if you've been a, say you've got someone that you're friends with or close to and they're being abused by someone. And you don't like that, so you're going to use the magic to stop it. You can go from the perspective of, okay, I just want this to stop. So I might use a magical means of pushing that person away. Or, you know, repulsion, that kind of thing. But at the same time, I do find that the person that wants to do the magic says, no, that's not how it should be. And they want the person, the bad person, quote-unquote, to suffer. Because that's punishment. It comes to the idea of, you know, the justice system and the like in this country when they talk about, is this rehabilitation? Is prison rehabilitation? Or is it punishment? 
And you've always got people that fall into one or two camps. Some will say, no, it should be re rehabilitation. We should be getting these criminals, you know, try and understand and help them so that they can become citizens that contribute to the rest of the world. Or they could be, no, these people need to be punished for the things they've done. And then you've got people that are kind of in the middle somewhere. And it's really interesting getting to know this and where people stand on this for whatever reason. And a lot of it tends to be emotion, I think. That switching place of this is punishment now is because it's some sort of an emotional, they're in some sort of an emotional state. What do you think? Well, I think along with along with morality, obviously we in the West, the Western world will refer back to Yahweh because that's that's kind of what's in the collective memory bank um, because it's been around for 2000 years. So it starts to kind of linger. But I think this this kind of set of rules, the commandments or, or whatever they are, exist in every society that's ever, ever occurred. And they they all fit along the same routes. They all come about, you know, not killing your neighbour and sharing and um, and not taking someone's wife, etc., etc. So those kind of, you know, and, and obviously they always include some kind of law and order, crime and punishment. So those 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 kind of groupings always happen. Law and order. <laughs> um, so we must have rules in order to have order. And then crime and punishment, which is that, you know, crime must be balanced by a suitable punishment. And I think that's kind of where we kind of, you know, then have to balance everything. And like you say, emotion is the big part that ticks into that because the more emotive the crime, the more severe the punishment. So, you know, um, and this is where kind of, and I dared say it, but kind of things like Black Lives, Black Lives Matters and stuff like that creeps into this discussion is because you, you'll have one crime is not equal to another because of, of race or creed or, or age um, or sexuality. And therefore it's a case of, well, actually that person killed that person. Killing is, is the benchmark, not who killed who. But we get emotionally involved in the who killed who or who killed what. Um, obviously we go to killing because we're talking about horcruxes and stuff. Um, but there are other kinds of crimes that are suitably punishable um and obviously we have a grading system in any any society whatever country in the world you know you'll have uh, in certain states have got um capital punishment you know that the ultimate uh, ultimate punishment for a certain uh, you know certain groups of crimes is death um so yeah so you always have these kind of whereas this idea of rehabilitation is a fairly new one we're still getting used to this idea because we've always gone, um, you know, it's gone from, well, he did something wrong. Oh, well, he only st stole a turkey leg. Oh, well, tough. Cut his arms off. Um, you know, or, you know, he killed that person. So, OK, well, OK, well, we'll kill him too. OK, so the answer to the question is rather than starving one family of their, their patriot, you know, patriarch or, or their provider or protector will take will take them from two families um so you kind of like you know you've always had this kind of end of uh, what is what's that phrase 
the ends justify the means. So the kind of that, you know, we'll kill. Um, so we'll answer that by equal punishment, which is you killed someone, so I'll kill you. Um, whereas now we're getting into this kind of age of age of Aquarius and we're starting to talk about bloody rehabilitation over the last. And let's face it, it's only been the last hundred years or so, if we're lucky, that we've started to even consider this as an option, you know, because we didn't you didn't really have jails and, and prisons. Uh, you had workhouses, you know, that was the way we de dealt with things was, oh, well, you know, so so many years in there or, or transportation. That's a favourite one. I quite like that one. Um, you know, you've done a naughty thing. Let's send you to work on a plantation for, well, they for just the, send the rest it to of Australia. your life. That's what we used to do in Britain, isn't it? We'd say so, you can either go to the workhouse or you can be sent to a sunny place other side of the world to establish a colony. Because we all know that Australians not... are descended from criminals. <laughs> Read Wikipedia. But that's not. But that's not how it worked, Liam. The whole point was you went over, you fulfilled your service time, and then they had the option to stay there if they wanted to. It wasn't to establish a colony. It was actually to kind of actually go. <laughs> you... Because why? Why would anybody, any culture, choose to establish colonies with their worst? So, you know, that's that wasn't the point. It was a no, um, getting out joke, early. You don't need to take it all too seriously. So, but it's just a case of, well, we're talking about the seriousness of it. We're talking about crime and punishment. I can't keep when I talk about morality. What are you talking about? So, so yes, yeah, so there's this, there, there is always that kind of balance of it. And this idea of rehabilitation, I feel, is quite a new uh, a new suggestion from kind of later parts of the Yahweh group that think that they can save somebody's soul um, and that it's their job to save it. That's, that is a, a very new concept that I'm still adjusting to because the last few times I was here it definitely wasn't that way. Um, you know, Ebi Naughty, let's kill him. I, I'm, I'm more good with that most of the time. I still try and com I'm I'm still confused as to which one's Yahweh and which one's Huawei because I know one of them's <laughs> one of them's a computer technology company, but at the same time I know that they're both evil, and it does tend to confuse me because they sound similar. Um, so let's talk about in terms of the power because I think it's really all about power. I've said this before, and I do tend to try and make a point of it. Yeah, it's about power and lack of it. The religious people tend to fear the wrath of God and the angels and the like, whereas when you get the witch and they understand how to, uh, you know, look up the cause and effect and a little bit more comfortable with how things are going to manifest that's when the true monsters show and I think everyone goes through their monstrous phase becoming a witch because you think oh if I do this really bad thing it's going to affect the target but nothing up there is going to care nothing gives a shit maybe a couple of spirit guides but they're easily swept away you know <laughs> no one really cares. Nothing cares. And it's when you think about that and you think, well, actually, it's all down to me now. And that's the grown-up 
witches. That's when it comes to when you're a witch and you start to figure and mess around with that. You're thinking, well, actually, I'm the one running the experiments now. I'm the one in the lab. I haven't got the teacher. I haven't got anyone else over my shoulder saying, you should do this, you shouldn't do this. You are taking the risks of it going horribly wrong, but also the rewards. And mainly, really, when you're talking about understanding the and shedding this kind of idea of, well, if I do something morally bad from some book that some book says, nothing bad is going to happen to me as a punishment. And is when people start exploring that. And I think people are starting to explore that concept. We can partly blame Witch Wars for that, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, I definitely. Competition Witch Wars, not Witch Wars in general. Um but anyway i mean it's an interesting discussion i always find this sort of thing but we haven't got that long left so i guess we've kind of got to talk about horcruxes as well so the horcrux system from harry potter correct me if i'm wrong but i think it works along the lines of you do that avada kedavra killing curse thing that's an act so horrific that not only does it kind of break you as a person it breaks you on an energetic level so breaks and disturbs a part of your soul also if you're talking about an eye for an eye you've got to sacrifice a life to gain a life i think it also works on that principle and then tying it to the physical plane physicality you need to hide that soul give it a body essentially and the body is normally some object although if you think about that giant snake nagini was a living thing you could say oh you could also put in another living thing. There's also another living thing that Lord Voldemort put uh, accidentally put Horcrux in, but I'm not supposed to give away things, am I? Well, I think you've already given too much away by talking about Nagini, but that's that's just me and, and my rules of spoilers. But, you know, that's, that's already done now. Cat's out of the bag. Um, yeah, I think... Again, I, st- I struggle with this on the basis that uh, uh, <laughs> on a magical level of going, why would you put it in an inanimate object? Because J.K. Rowling um, don't understand. She understands alchemy because she knows a lot about alchemy. She don't understand oh, yes, the magic, though. So she don't know. She turns paper into gold. She don't know how gold. to do it real life, Chris. She don't know how to do it real life. Explain how to do it so, real life. You want me to explain it how to do it in real life? Well, we'll compare and contrast to different methods and the, you know, engineering behind it. So, well, there are multiple ways of doing it, but the question is whether or not... I just think Horcrux is a bad concept. Um, it's an interesting one from, uh, you know, from the Harry Potter universe... But actually, as the reality is, it, I don't know. I don't. I don't quite see the point. Um, because what what needs to necessarily happen is this: <laughs> what the inanimate objects are doing is is creating an anchor to allow the consciousness that is currently here, the version of the soul that you know, the version of the conscious part of the soul, and this really shows up the lack of understanding that jk rowling has about the makeup of the soul but anyway is that you're creating essentially an an anchor system that means that if he's destroyed 
that he can jump across to another existence. Um, the problem you've got with that is they're inside objects. So somebody still needs to open the Horcrux in order for him to come back. So, you know, if nobody ever finds those objects and never interacts with those objects, he's not capable of coming back. And that's the bit that baffles me is because that's the that's the you know big plot hole for me is the fact that actually if no one interacted with any of them and they all stayed locked away in vaults where they were supposed to be um you'd never have had any of the things that happened uh, but the process there is the fact that he essentially haunts the objects don't he so like with the diary the diary starts forming a link to a person they write in it it writes back and then that link gets stronger and stronger and stronger until presumably was supposed to happen based on real life i'm not don't know so much about jk Rowling, but you do see this in real life the madam the skull from old lady poison she um yeah she had that skull madam you can read on her i you can listen on her interview and i would imagine from that perspective it's essentially a spirit haunting an object almost like a horcrux and then they use that as a base to attract things towards it and then from that base they then try to possess the person by building a stronger and stronger link so it would work i'd say on a similar perspective of that i don't know how jk rowling envisions it but i'm just trying to use real life examples yeah but the, the problem would still be a case of, actually, if they were as well hidden as she suggests. So think of the places in which the, some of them were put. They weren't, you know, just kept in a space. Like, in order for this to work, he had to leave each one, or at least the knowledge of one of them, with one of his trusted individuals. So, for example, the the, the book would have never made its way to to uh, Hogwarts and to people that interacted with it if it wasn't entrusted to Malfoy. So, like, it would never have actually made it there if he hadn't gone, look after this. It's one of my prized possessions. Didn't tell him what it was. But, you know, you know, this is one of my prized possessions. Um, look after it. And now you go give it to a mudblood. Uh, a mudblood. But, yeah, like you say, the, the haunting part would have probably led... Malfoy to do it but the bit the bit that's interesting for me is there is no connection real con real time connection between the horcruxes so they are locked in a kind of stasis he only knows how much he knew at that point yeah so there's like a backup it's a backup like, like you know what i mean like it's a from your from your from your computer that you'd actually yeah. have to do from a floppy disk or an external yeah. hard drive. It's not like the cloud nowadays where it just immediately blacks up. No. But Which again goes down to her misunderstanding. misunderstanding. Because from the yeah, ancient perspective, they created the anchor point through mummification and the like to give you an anchor here. Yes. Whereas what we're talking about, if you're talking about anchoring yourself to an object, then that comes from a slightly i'd say it's an inferior method but it would still work i mean if you're talking yeah. about bootstrapping 
then it, it would still work. I mean, it will depend on your ability and the anchor that you choose. But in terms of the way the Horcrux system in Harry Potter I'd see would work is that, okay, you only need one of these objects to be accessible. So the other ones you do want to keep them safe because they're backups. Okay, so the one object you give away, like the locket you gave away to someone else, didn't he? That was supposed to be worn around them. So that would be literally upon immediate death, he'd go to that one that locket um but no I, I think it's quite interesting the concept of it and you I'm the reason why I'm bringing this up now is because a lot of people would consider this to be black magic and bad and that I'm not gonna say don't go ahead and do this I'm gonna say think about all the angles and in order for you to get the ability to go away and do this you are gonna need to be proficient at basic magic so you'll need to have been able to reach your foundation in magic to achieve this. And if you do that, then you'll understand a lot more about the things that can go wrong and the like. So, you know, this is just a yeah. short podcast. We can't give you the ins and outs of it now. But comparing and contrasting no, methods, just, the Horcrux thing. And just think of all the ways it could go wrong. It's a real uh, thing. When you, it, files can corrupt. Yeah, it, the, the Horcrux thing is a real thing. I wouldn't go about doing it by causing someone to die that would make absolutely no sense to me so you don't have to create a horcrux by killing someone else the whole life for a life thing is a load of shit they only put that on because of morality like some life is apparently important you're kind of thinking well oh yes you living a little bit longer is so important someone else has to die when in reality it's kind of like yeah there is a magical current there, but let's be fair, you can get around that pretty easily to the point where it's not even really worth mentioning. Yeah. A lot of that comes from Disney shit, I think. Um, but yeah, magical horcrux and the like. I, I would have said that Madam, Our Lady Poison's skull, is probably created for that purpose, some sort of magical horcrux. I've never really worked with it, so that is a pure guess. However... Yeah. It makes sense based on what I've heard about how it interacts, the fact that it's an object and that the soul attached to it is not the soul of the individual and what it's a you know, is trying to get into a body essentially. So, you know, bootstrapped horcrux, I think I would definitely label that as. Um yeah. But in terms of the traditional approach for reincarnating, is it one of those things where you're kind of trying to beat the reincarnation system, I suppose, which normally is supposed to be done by doing a lot of work and actually being it the natural way. The Horcrux system's basically designed to cheat that. Because it's designed to cheat that, a lot of things can go wrong. Um, because yeah. with the mummification process and the like, you're talking about anchoring. So... You're not dissolving away. You're, it's a stopgap. Yeah. It's an emergency, buy me some time type thing. So if you were to die in your anchored, you're in your astral. is not going anywhere. It has sufficient enough power source to keep that link ongoing. Therefore, you can use that as a foothold, but also as a platform to push further. So much like us witches and the like use our physical bodies go further and exploring and the like 
if you don't have a physical body, the next best thing to get a foothold here is some sort of physical anchor. I think we're going to run out of time. So is there anything left that you want to talk about, Chris? I know we'll do a whole podcast on this at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, it's just, it's it's all I'm going to say is that last bit of kind of like, you know, in that kind of Harry Potter world, it is a case of the power that's required to make the transfer is the death. Whereas actually the transfer is the easy bit. It's making sure your anchor has enough power to stay long enough for it to be useful. Because every time every time we've talked about, uh, you know, spirits and the like, we talk about how they fade. So actually com- com- uh, combating the fade is the thing, that, you know, the biggest part of that consideration when you're anchoring to something. Um, so, you know, hence why Madam probably got crazier and crazier she went because... Her consciousness would have a a, a fade on it. Um, and why she's so desperate to get into a body is probably because she's running out of time. Rather than just it's a brand new switch. But yeah, more about it on another time. There we go. I'd be interested to see now we've said this, because I don't think we've talked to Lady Poison about this specifically... But I'd be interested to talk and get her opinion because she's obviously worked to a certain extent with Madam and owned her for a certain amount of time. So, yeah, that would be interesting. Um, But there we go. That's it for this episode. And obviously we'll return next week for our next episode. So goodbye, everyone. Ta-ta.